Welcome everyone to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete. Can you even say, please open the door for me in Russian? The Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 414, the 150th in Marvel television history. The man behind the shield is brought to you by low-level hair pieces, the perfect way to cover your covert operatives. Well, Pete, before we get underway with this 150th episode of Marvel Television, do want to remind everybody that uh, as the Agents of Shield LMD pod is uh, is apparently starting to wrap up, um, that uh, of course we will be podcasting Iron Fist, which will be hitting Netflix uh, in just about a month's time, right on St. Patrick's Day there, March 17th. So uh, hope that you're subscribed to the Iron Fist podcast. Or of course, subscribed to our pop culture podcast feed, which will uh, which will get Iron Fist along with all the other goodies that we do. So just as one as one Marvel TV show uh, wraps up its storyline, we are looking ahead to the future. Absolutely, I would ask, and I do this on behalf of Matt and the podcast. Um, though we've gotten plenty of listeners and subscribers to the iron fist podcast by fantastic geek we do not yet have a review on itunes so uh if you have the time uh do us a solid give us a review doesn't need to be a good review we just need those reviews uh itunes being the ultimate meritocracy the more reviews that a show has the more visible the more interaction obviously you help us out by the way, Pete, though, just mentioning places to get your podcast from, uh, we had had a uh, request or two to end up on the Google Play uh, store where the podcasts are for the Google people. And uh, we're, we're all there with everything that we have now. So uh, do check that out if you are a, uh, a Googler with the Goog. When we catch you up on what went down, our teaser... Matt Colson looking rather quizzically at his hand. Well, I'll be. Uh, there's Daisy. They fight. Uh, things get kind of heated. And uh, we kind of slowly put things together that uh, the, the laws of physics don't exactly apply to this altercation. Yeah, for me, Pete, it was the kick that he got and then he remained midair where I said, wait a minute. Something is not right here. Uh, I do rather like that there's a bit of a subtle fake out, you know, with him looking at his hand. I wondered if perhaps at first there was a hand modification. Pete, I always want them to be going the Knight Rider route with that hand. I feel like the the possibility there of kind of Inspector Gadget uh, slash Knight Rider, I, I feel like it's a little bit of a missed opportunity. But sure enough, he's, he's paused in midair. Uh, it's not his hand that has feeling. Uh, it is rather the simulation. And Pete, now that we've demonstrated all of this to illustrate that the framework is holding May, a framework similar to what Fitz just put them through, we now have an, an explanation on how they can find it. They need to do traces of the source code. And uh, there's also some other geographic info coming into S.H.I.E.L.D. 
not only that, but ways that our missing agents come the end of the episode can pick up on or be unaware of because of uh, the way that Radcliffe's operational framework continues to eat up data and what have you that can mask reality. Reality, fantasy, definitely uh, the two the two on a collision course, particularly by episode's end. Uh, but first, they have that GPS info from direct, Director Mace's suit taking them to Nome, Alaska. And Pete, there's a quick cut and they're there. That's how fast this show moves. They get it, boom, they are there. And of course, they find just the suit uh, along with the, uh, the creepy Coulson tracking board brought to you by every obsessed fan and uh, perhaps zero killer ever. Yeah, and the the unifying thing there is uh, everything Coulson and launching us in to the title card. Uh, after the title card, speaking of Coulson's own stalker group, we get a shot of the stalker group, the Superior and his crew. They're filling a nondescript warehouse with the flotsam and jetsam of chaos-making stuff. I didn't uh, see any welding, though, Matt. Well, I, I was a little concerned, you know, these these Hydra types and, and, you know, these Hydra offshoots and these Hydra clones. There's always some dude welding, and I didn't see a guy welding. Pete, that's because it's already a well-constructed secret bad guy base. The wide shot shows that they have access to water. It's a sub-pen, Pete. I happen to be an aficionado of submarine movies, and I could tell you that uh, it's definitely a submarine base, even before they you know, let us know. And uh, with that, Pete, the superior is still on the move. Radcliffe, Matt, with the headphones. Uh, it's kind of weird that even though they're just headphones, he's got the visual uh, of the the framework going on before they've they've done this with um, an actual headset over the eyes. Uh, that's a good catch. I mean, you could probably explain it away as he's got the next advanced thing or he's tapping directly into the cerebral cortex or to the 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 the, the vision portion of the brain or whatever or. Part of me, Pete, with, with zero substantiation, part of me just wonders, maybe John Hannon was like, I'm not putting that thing on. I'm here to be on TV to be seen, man. He's like, oh, okay. Because well. I'm okay with all of the above, Pete. You know what's not okay, though, is apparently shredding his cortex by ripping him out of it uh, without at least a little bit of a nudge, which is what uh, the superior initially wants to do, and Ada prevents the forceful removal from the framework despite the fact that the superior needs to speak with him now yeah and the way they shot that where she seems to zip in out of the blue i'm not suggesting that she was outside the room but certainly was kind of outside the purview of of uh of ivanov it was a really it was a really nice trick that they did whether it's a yep. trick of the camera or whether there was some cgi added to make her look you know extra blurry zippy that kind of thing but it was just kind of like oh yeah she's in protect mode there um she even calls radcliffe 
the greatest mind of this or any other generation, mm -hmm. Pete. Sorry, prophets of the Lord. Sorry, <laughs> you know, uh, Jonas Salk stopping polio almost single-handedly. Einstein, Sorry. Hawking. Uh, we could, exactly. We could go on, you know, the guys, the guys made virtual reality, but, you know, within story and her inability to still pick up on human cues that that you would put somebody like that uh but as he explains once he's been uh brought back from what the superior refers to uh pejoratively as his fantasy land um he says that ada is his proxy the extension of himself so he trusts her explicitly pete with that there's no place like Nome. There's no place like Nome. Back we go to Colson and crew in Nome, Alaska, and seeing the the stalker board there. This is why Colson doesn't have Facebook. Hey, me neither. Although, of course, Fantastic Geek is available on Facebook. There is also a picture. Pete, it's old. It's faded. Can it possibly tie back to Colson? Flashback to some time ago with a younger Colson, Pete. It's a Russian post Phil Coulson level four agent is there. He wants to inspect the facility in Russian so he can protect the cats. The cats? They need protection sometime, Matt. Uh, who joins him, hitting him from behind? Uh, none other than uh, Agent May, shield specialist, level three, complete with bangs. Indeed, Pete, the wig work here, wasn't sure whether there was one wig or two in the scene. We'll just leave it at that. But certainly it's it, it's fun to kind of have this um to have this flashback put in there to get some of the the early history of Colson and May and uh and best of all to get Ming-Na Wen back on the show in a context other than I am a troubled robot or I'm tied to the gurney. Eyes move, head twitches. To let Pete let May be May. Let Ming-Na Wen be May. And that's, what, uh, that's what's nice here about this scene. Um, but we're only in it for so long. And then back to the present day where what happens, Pete? Oh, Matt, you know what this means. We're going to Russia. Act break, <laughs> then act two, Pete. Mace, he's chained to the wall. He's shirtless and oiled. Or, or wait, maybe sweaty, sweaty and oiled. Uh, he's grunting, he's bulging, he ends up pulling himself out of the chains. That's not suspicious and weird at all. He walks out of the, the unlocked cell. He quickly gets cornered by the superior, who claims that Mace must be out of the superpower, which made me kind of wonder, but what didn't he just get himself out of those chains? But I digress. Mace likes to see... Uh, Mace is putting up a fight, and uh, indeed hits the superior, but... In classic comic book fashion, Pete does not move him. I got the distinct impression from his ability to get out of his chains that the door was unlocked until he met the superior that he was in the framework. Yes. And I don't know. We can't say, Matt, that he wasn't given the way that this episode ended. It'll be interesting to see what the show does with the framework moving forward. I think that we are anticipating an end to the LMD storyline next week. Um, how, 
how do they continue this? Because I think that they're they're risking dancing on the edge. They're not on the edge, but they're risking dancing on the edge where if you question all reality all the time, then there's no there's no gravity to any particular threat. So it'll be interesting to see, but certainly in this situation, it appears that Mace is uh, Mace is legitimately on the loose. Uh, he proceeds to take quite a beating from the superior, um, including one heck of a drop to the floor that actually looks like the actor passes out on the floor. There's no way that they asked the actor, just drop and hit on this thing. There might have been a pad. It didn't look like there was a pad. I don't know how they did it, but the it way was... it was shot too. Yes, yeah. From from below. Yeah, it was a brutal hit. And uh the superior orders him put back into the cell. Zephyr one, Matt, and uh Mac has the headset on now. The traditional, well, more traditional, kind of like the over the the dome one rather than just the uh the ear uh the earphones but uh he he loves his video games but he's not quite sure to make what's going on with uh radcliffe and uh increasingly owned by fitz framework yeah mac is here the voice of of morality at least a certain point of view of morality he he calls this training simulation uh very rough um, and not just in how it was trained, but the situation itself rough. He points the finger at Fitz. The line between scientist and mad scientist is paper thin. He's acting like, but he won't say it, Pete. And there was a little debate on Twitter. What would he have said if he could have said it? I don't know what he would have said, but between the killer robot now and this virtual world, he wants Fitz to think about what he creates. Uh, Fitz points out, and I think rightly, that electricity is used to execute criminals. It doesn't make it an evil thing. And it's at this point that Simmons interrupts the conversation to let them both know they are approaching Russian airspace in two minutes. And before you know it, Matt, we're at a distressed Russian gate that we've seen already once in a flashback. Seamless, Pete. Seamless. We flash back to Coulson and May sneaking in. Uh, she calls him on all his lousy tells, on his good guy attitude. Uh, this is, of course, why we love Coulson most, is his good guy attitude. Um, they finally get inside the, the base area to a big giant safe. Pete, he has a little tough time getting that safe cracker to work. You know, it, it happens. Uh, May reminds him... Of, of an earlier time. So she's kind of, of uh, using dialogue to flashback even further. Flashback in the flashback. Double flashback. Um, reminding him of the time that he muffed the hubby, wife, uh, hubby and wife undercover op that the two of them were on. Pete, I'm going to use some salty language here. It took him two minutes to get her brassiere off. <laughs> Bro, come on. That's all I can say. Bro, come on. It's it's rough. Uh, this mission uh, in the past that he explains, uh, they were sent to retrieve an 084, uh, presumably behind this safe, which uh, she cracks on him uh, was, uh, you know, not something uh, they taught them how to uh, undo in uh, 
Communications Academy. She, of course, pointed out later that she went to the Specialist Academy. It's witty repartee. It's nice to see them a bit icy. Uh, my my joke aside of you know her dialogue flashing us back in the flashback even further, this seems to be a logical starting point, which is the beginning of a little sizzle between them. And particularly if they're picking up on the whole let's get a drink thing, it was nice to see the origin of it finally. Um, regardless, Coulson gets underway opening the safe, and that's when they realize that there are SVR agents there, Pete. I assume those are the Russians. I don't know, Pete. I've heard you can't ever tell when a Russian agent is talking to you. There's no <laughs> way to tell. I heard. I saw that on we. I saw that uh, somewhere. Bigly. Back to the present day. What's behind the wall safe now, Pete? Let's hope it's not the director's body. I hope that we cut to Mace's awake body shortly, knowing that he's not dead. It's not. Um, <sighs> We have the superior with Mace here uh, strapped in a chair and the superior begins to tell him about uh, when he was young, his father would lick the boots of a man in their town and uh, that the director is scum who allows shield to fill his veins with poison and then be paraded around. And uh, this is all punctuated with him using a knife across the um, right side of his chest, which was fairly graphic. Uh, Pete, perhaps I'm just callous uh, to, to, to dark television, but yeah, no, you're right. Kind of pulling it across, jabbing it in there. Um, that said, I have to, I have to say, Pete, though the superior was monologuing as, as a bad guy oft does nice little arc there, admiring his father for making something out of nothing, but then hating his father for being the boot looking boot licking liar. Um, an interesting comment there about principles and, and being in charge of your own destiny. Just, just a nice little moment there for Ivanov, I thought. The plan is clear, though, that he is the bait for S.H.I.E.L.D. to come. It's at this point that Ada says they are nearly completed. What is nearly complete? Not quite clear what's going on there. Um, but uh, they have a conversation quickly, Ada and um, Ivanov, that uh, talks about how uh, she notices that his behavior, because uh, she's programmed to observe human behavior, his is different. Uh, indeed, and in the course of this conversation, she uses a metaphor that he kind of gives uh, gives verbal false applause to. Uh, he uh, notes how far she has come programming-wise, but says that she's a fake too. It's also around this time, Pete, that he... Uh, uh, glances down at her neckline. Um, regardless, though, he calls, uh, he kind of harkens back to, to the earlier story of scum lies and filth, and he says that filth has a purpose. Certainly, Pete, some nice seeding for when that line returns at the end of the episode. Mac, meanwhile, Matt has discovered uh, some skeletons that seem to be uh, back 
from when Colson and May were there last. Uh, the phone rings. It is the superior uh, on the other end looking for Colson. Wait, wait, to, uh, to, to be fair, Pete, the phone rings. Where's the phone? In the hand. I thought the phone, uh, perhaps I missaw, I thought the phone was in a skeleton's head, having the having the head ghoulishly light up for a moment, perhaps hearkening back to Pete, that old Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. pod of your Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Ghost Rider. Regardless, though, it was like, there's a glowing head. There's a glowing body. It has a phone regardless. Um, and then, Pete, back to you talking about the Superior, talking to Coulson on the talking machine. Yes, uh, Coulson wants to speak to what he calls the sick son of a, of a bitch with more than a few skeletons in his closet. But as Ivanov points out, it was not he, it was Coulson that sent these men to this fate. You did this to them. Act break, then act three. We go back to the flashback. May is ready to go on into the Russian base. Guns a-blazing. But Pete, she's got a secret that she can't tell Colson about. Regardless, he wants to get the 084. And uh, he's, he's, he's just going to walk on out there. He's going to say that there's a biohazard. He does that because the bio always works. Meanwhile, we're cutting in the superior uh, Colson discussion here uh, that Colson had killed his comrades. Um, we get some more of Mace and the superior before we wind up in a pretty heavy conversation between Fitz and Simmons regarding the framework code and how it is expanding uh, with Radcliffe in possession of the Darkhold, Fitz points out that anything is possible. Yeah, I don't I don't know that I completely buy that the framework can piggyback off all these devices around the world. Um, <laughs> that said, Pete, I just got an email from Yahoo today telling me about another way their security failed me. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, Regardless, regardless, the fact, if this is the thing they're going to do story-wise to say we can't track him down because he's he's going through all these different computers and it's everywhere around the world. Okay, if that's the thing they're going to do, fine. They do put the button on it by saying it's like the SETI computers where you can opt in to help crunch all this, uh, you know, star data um, except you haven't opted in. So in that metaphor, in that comparison, okay, I got it. I don't quite understand the mechanisms or if it's, it would really work. I don't think it would, but okay, fine. I'm with you there that uh, Radcliffe potentially is using every phone and computer and stuff to process all the, the gigabytes of the framework. Back in the past, sometime before, uh, Colson finishes up his chat with uh, the superior's comrades asks if the fellows need anything else. He's sure he has a goals gym membership card someplace uh, before there is a crash in the other room. They head in to inspect. It's not there, Matt. And we suddenly have a car speed away. Looks like your partner was asked to retrieve the item at any cost too. The cost, Comrade Colson, is you. And he gets a butt to the face. A rifle butt to end the act. 
Act four aboard Zephyr one and uh, Daisy identifies. She thinks she has uh, the next clue here. Uh, Ivanov had mentioned the SVR uh, soldiers before. It so happens, Matt, there's a submarine base like all good Bond villains. Um, and Coulson says it's wise to assume that they know uh, they are coming. So expect trap doors, sharks with freaking laser beams strapped to their freaking heads. Of course, adding the, you know, 10 o'clock plus Fantastic Geek after dark language. After dark. Yeah, I, I liked Max Bond quip. I thought that maybe the show took it a step too far with the the sharks with laser beams joke. I get that Agreed. it's Austin Powers when you're, reference. When, you, when you're going, you want to go Bond, that's fine. But, you know, Austin Powers was good for when and what it was. Not held up well at all. Mike Myers is one of the most reviled people in Hollywood. Um, <laughs> didn't, didn't need it. Really didn't need it. Yeah. Regardless... Off to the side of the scene, Pete. Fitz is brokenhearted at the idea that he's created something so awful. And this is wonderful, wonderful acting out of Ian DeCacaster. I absolutely buy him in that moment. It's not just mournful. It's not just a little tear in the eyes. It's Maybe it's Visine or maybe it's the fact that he's a British actor and can well up such emotions easier. I, if you told me that moments before they filmed this scene, Ian DeCacaster was told that, you know, his beloved uh, 20-year-old cat had finally slipped into the great beyond or that things weren't looking so good about, you know, great Aunt Esther or something like that. Like, there was so much conviction in a show that certainly asks and requires and gets great performances out of these people. But most of the time, it's a case of, it's a comic book show. This is the most comic booky of all the Marvel shows where it's action, 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 suspense, drama, action, action. And he is giving this just this amazing performance in this moment. Could not agree more. Uh, maybe his greatest job of acting in the entire series. And I think that's saying a lot. The guilt he's overcome with here uh, between Ada, between the the framework. Um, yeah, it, it it really does settle in with you when you watch the scene here. Um, but as uh, they point out, it doesn't make Fitz guilty. He's not responsible for what Radcliffe did. Back we go to Mace and Ivanov. Mace still believes in S.H.I.E.L.D. He's ready to die for the organization. Ivanov cuts him loose. He can overlook Mace's sins, he being such a peon and all of that, but the comrades can't. Uh, they come into the cell, and Mace is quickly starting to get beaten, quickly looking to be in bad shape. All of this, Pete, while Ada curiously watches on. A Quinjet lands, Matt, and again, kudos to uh, Mark Kolpak in this episode, particularly the, the flight visuals uh again not something we're, we're absolutely spoiled uh in an hour of tv with with these effects even though there were only a couple of them they uh 
they certainly got the mileage out of them. Absolutely. And the, uh, the Quinjet uh, circles around, drops the, drops the back door there. Mac blows a hole in the wall with his uh, patented Mac shotgun. Uh, with that, they quickly uh, start to split up. And just as quickly, Coulson meets Ivanov. Maybe a little too quickly for my tastes. I understand that we're in the uh, you know we're in the later half of the episode here and whatnot. But there's kind of quickly our hero meets their villain. Um, regardless, Ivanov decries his use of humor and says Coulson has no backup at all. And uh, he also says that he he's been on Coulson's case since he found out that Coulson was at the center of it all. In the flashback, Matt, we have a van which then crashes into another. May rescues Coulson from the back of it. Uh, he thought the mission came before the man, but turns out she just wanted him to sweat a little bit. By the way, I just want to point out that there's this period of time where Coulson is alone in the van and being knocked around and doesn't pull the hood off himself. I think they're saving the May pulls hood off to reveal Colson shocked moment, but, but I digress back to the present day we go. Um, Ivanov has wrapped up his second bit of monologuing in the episode this time with Colson. And, uh, he's not going to give, uh, May and Mace back to shield. There kind of was an odd lack of tension to the scene. Like, Colson was playing it so calmly. We know why in a moment. Um, but between, you know, the concealed weapon Colson might have, because his icer has been taken, between his magic hand, which I get why they also underuse it, because otherwise it would be like Kit in Knight Rider, the solution to every problem immediately. Yes, Knight Rider episode where there is the clean gold doubloons of their corrosion and make them pristine again in five seconds device which was always there but never seen before i think of you that's why they don't do the magic hand regardless pete colson says he doesn't know what the 084 was that he was sent after he says ivanov is another red shirt in the way of colson saving the world it's a great line and it really really rings true and it's about to get a whole lot better yeah all this hate all this energy he doesn't even know colson who Ivanov is. He's gone on hundreds of missions. So cool origin story, bro. But uh, this means nothing to him. And there I thought it was really cool that he's able to hand that off to Daisy, who's been waiting to uh, to get the face-to-face. And uh, not only do we get a quake break, Matt, but we get a quake act break across the superior space act break then act five daisy spells out spells it all out pete the watchdogs the funding the senator it all goes back to ivanov and he's ready to fight but it won't be fair i was expecting pete maybe he was going to take out more than knives something akin to you know daisy kryptonite whatever it might be he does flips those knives at her one lands on her she still blasts him. I don't know what he thought was going to happen exactly. Maybe Pete, he was just so blind to his own sense of, of uh, unfettered leadership and superiority that he couldn't see the fact that Daisy was representing the coalition of opposition and about to blast him good. And he's Also, apparently- Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. 
and he's apparently never read Animal Farm. Uh, but as they are going at it here, uh, Fitz finds uh, what can only be described as some tech. It says it can't be Radcliffe's uh, framework headquarters. It's too low tech. Uh, but word comes over the comms that Ada is there. So the race is on to try to corner her. Simmons is going to go get her. But Matt, give her somebody. Let's give her Richard Davis. Davis, which Pete, the penny just dropped. Obviously, we haven't had a whole lot of screen time of Davis before this episode and certainly this scene. Methinks in my spoiler-free existence that next week we get a flashback wherein Agent Davis, uh, you know, is killed or something. Or something, something. I'm not quite... Oh, wait. Yeah, because it's... Yeah. I think we're going to... I think Davis is set up for the now Ada reveals how it all happened scene. But, but I digress. Back to Mace. Mace is still being beaten, Pete. He can, he can take quite a beating when he's shirtless and oiled down. Um, Max saves the day, uh, giving an epic beatdown to the four Ruskies. Um, one, by the way, Pete, takes a shotgun blast to the chest. Obviously, no blood there. Not on, uh, not on Marvel TV. It's real tough to get somebody to bleed. Uh, but um, still, shotgunning a guy to the chest and then beating the other three. Um, the assist there with Colson at the end, they have an alive but not talkative mace. Uh, Colson asks, where's May? Where is he keeping her? There's no response here. We get Daisy back with the superior who now is brandishing the knife. Uh, he calls her a genetic cheater to wit. She responds. She's not a cheater. She's just playing by new rules before she leaves him stranded in rubble. No rules, indeed. Uh, blasting him into that pillar of concrete, the concrete falling on him. It's all good stuff. Also, Pete, let's let's file this away as a timestamp. That definitely happened for realsies. Still elsewhere, Simmons and Davis can't find Ada or anyone. There are no comms. They see the sub is uh, is leaving the. They hear uh, the it too. The clock. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, with that, we cut to Colson, Mac, and Mace leaving, meeting up with them. Simmons and Davis then officially seeing the sub leave the pen. It's at this point that there's just a weird momentum, and we'll learn, or on first viewing, we will, we would have learned in a little bit that uh, it's all on purpose. But there's just there's a weirdness in the air that isn't quite quantified, but is obviously there. They they keep mentioning Pete these inoperable comms and. Yep. Uh, Mace uh, is able to stumble onto the Quinjet, fits with the hard drive, and Pete, it looks like with Z1 heading out, the things are just wrapped up. Yeah, but there are very clearly noticeable breadcrumbs that something just is not right. The wonky comms and, you know, no sooner is uh, Fitz and Simmons back uh, discussing this when it doesn't feel right uh fitz agrees uh the lmd detector uh system didn't uh pick up anything but uh you know uh there's just something that's not right they look into the system and it turns out colson 
has modified it. Um, and there actually was an LMD detected. How many LMD were detected, Matt? Pete, as Daisy, Colson, Mac, and Mace made their way back on the base past that, that, that quietly placed LMD detector, Pete, all four set it off. There are four LMDs in play. Daisy, Colson, Mac, and Mace. Oh, snap. Is it going to get any more snappier, Pete? Uh, it remains to be seen, Matt. Just Wrong how- answer. Yes, it will, because back <laughs> at the base, it turns out Ada has flipped the script. She's advanced the robo cause. She has used Ivanov to advance her purpose. After all, even filth has a purpose. Pete, it looks like here, it's the bot grabbing back. In our tag scene, Matt, we have the uh, some time ago uh, flashback again. Uh, May wants him to say it, and Coulson finally says he is thankful for her saving his behind back there. Turns out she asked for this assignment. She didn't want... Uh, a weekend free for uh, the next random civilian. But this guy's different, Matt. Not exactly her type. He's a shrink, after all. Um, if it doesn't work out together, though, maybe the two of them, Colson and May, will uh, give it a try. But uh, hey, keep those eyes on the road, Matt, as we go back to the present. Indeed, in the present. Uh, Coulson, the robot, awaken, uh, awakens Pete, not May, not May B. We are on to May C. She's kind of, you kind of get the sense he's waking her up kind of duffel bag style almost. Regardless, they've waited long enough. Boom. The dossier. A detailed look at our bad guys. Matt, first up. The baddest of them all. He's superior. I worry that the superior may be falling into a category that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has visited a few times before where the lead up to the reveal of a character is a little less, or the lead up is better than the the character itself, or at least the way the character is used. Love the actor. Love the character. I love the, the pizzazz he is bringing Pete, when this episode was written, surely they couldn't have imagined that somebody could find villainy in the Russians. So, I guess the show gets some weird whatever. Um, but with him not clearly not dead, but also I doubt he's going to be up at the end of the next episode, you know, shirt off, knives a-throwing. Um I kind of feel like, again, maybe there was a little bit more sizzle of superior is coming versus what we have gotten. But I like this. I like this guy as a character. I like the actor as well. I like that we know he's still in play, albeit barely at the end of the episode. And again, with the advent of the framework as a thing, 
you've got any neural activity, you could wind up in there. So I think that's where we're going to see him, whether that turns out to be a twist or not, we'll have to see. Matt, he only appears in one scene, but his presence is felt throughout the episode and throughout this entire uh, six-episode pod to this point, Dr. Holden Radcliffe. I love what John Hanna brings to the show, has brought to this show for approximately the last year. I worry that he, as the man of a certain age, uh, is going to die before the end of the season. Um, it's part of the 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 sweet uh, the sweet sting of uh, of his having been outed truly as a bad guy, um, because I would have been okay if he was just the wacky science uncle for the remainder of the series. But give us more John Hanna. I I, I suspect his time on the show is limited, but uh, Radcliffe is a great great character in part because I think Pete in my head canon there is a whole other side to Radcliffe that. Uh, that uh, let's just say I think is Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. really after dark. Let's leave it at that. In just the one scene, I think his appearance is noteworthy, if not for the fact that the next character on our dossier talks about how if you are not properly pulled out of the framework, you're going to lose your mind. They will be coming back to that. Indeed, a fair amount of Ada here. We see Ada increasingly acting of her own volition. I think she thinks it's part of her programming, but I think that we have a, a level of awareness and consciousness and desire to to complete the Pinocchio process, Pete. She wants to be a real girl. Um, it just happens to be that she's a really, really villainous girl who's prepared to kill because what is life? I really appreciated the subtle aspects of uh, Mallory Jensen's performance in this episode, looking in on uh, Mace when he's being beaten up, uh, you know, of course, telling the superior that uh, he is the filth at the end of the episode, thus turning the tables uh, after witnessing that interaction between Mace and him uh, much earlier. Uh, she's done a tremendous job with this character. It was gravy for her to essentially play uh, a more her version of uh, Ada last week as uh, Agnes. Uh, but she's she's done a really good job, and she has made this show and this pod richer for it. Pete, last on the list, we get a bonus shot here. We get the Quorum of Five, Colson and the Pretenders, the LMD Five, whatever you want to call them. The Final the, Five? The Final Five, the robot versions of Daisy, Colson, Mac, Mace, Silent. and Macy. Cylons, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of parallels here with uh, Battlestar Galactica. I'm surprised they went as big as they did, and you have so many now that are LMDs. The advent of that specific uh, addition to the show opened up a lot of possibilities, and you're going to have fun with it by suspecting who is 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 one but now more of our team are robotic doppelgangers than not 
I almost feel like they're showing us too much of the hand going forward. They're they're on record that the LMD pod ends formally next week. It doesn't mean LMDs stop being on the show, but it almost feels like that's the big shock moment. And I I think something else in terms of either the framework or or some other twist will be coming back around. They're certainly earning the pod moniker LMD. I'll tell you that more LMDs have never been seen. Uh, that is for sure. Welcome to level seven. Time to analyze and theorize. Matt, what's up with the unnamed, unseen 084? Oh, man, Pete, could it be as simple as a MacGuffin, just a story thing to, to move, the, uh, to move the, the plot along? Maybe, but let's not forget, that was the case of the original 084, and that ended up, or at least the original one presented uh, in the show. Um, point being, it's almost too juicy a mystery to not circle back to, um, and, and I hope they do. Um, certainly the show likes to have its kind of cohesive arcs, even if they arc back to the past and whatnot. So I predict we're going to get 084 info soon. You mentioned the framework, uh, the, the problem with the addition here that we can't overdo it. So we will question the nature of every reality, but given that, uh, in in our discussion after having watched the episode, uh, we worry, wonder whether Mace was in the framework early on when he broke out of his cell and then they put him back in. Uh, and then we have what takes place at the sub headquarters, which may or may not have been uh, a, a framework induced reality. Uh, do you suspect, Matt, we have any other twists that happened here that uh, advance us into the rest of the storyline? I think that the show has to know that questioning reality and up is down and all of this, that that's a fun game, but you can only take it so far. Uh, I, I agree with what we have touched on a little earlier, that it's a little curious that they've quintupled down on LMDs so close, presumably, to the pod. And as you said, Pete, that doesn't mean LMDs have to stop. I mean, we had a whole Ghost Rider segment to start up the season, which set up perfectly um, this LMD storyline that we're in now. But I think that you're not doing the audience service if constantly what you are questioning is is up for grabs so i think the show was smart to identify fitz and simmons to say we know we are real and i think that that was a message to the audience a life buoy to the audience saying stick with us while things get weird and trippy and hairy scary here um because we can be the measure of what is what is reality and then i mean pete i know there's only one episode left to this pod it wouldn't surprise me if we don't have the big finish uh, where, you know, at the end of one more episode, when next we podcast, all the M LMDs are off the table. All, the, all the, the clone copies are done away with because I don't think that they can have us question things ad nauseum. 
Well, let's go right to that. You, you jumped one ahead for me, but I'll address it now that we have uh, so many members of our team that are LMDs. I'm, I'm going to mash up the two questions, Matt. Is this that they're in the framework? What would they do? Is this the scenario that's being run? Your, your team is overrun by uh, LMDs. Notice it's one of the co-creators who is having to deal with this. Is this the ultimate um, Radcliffe Fitz schism? I'm going to see how a guy who knows how this tech works uh, uh, can come to grips with the nature of a false reality. Well, then to, to add other things to the mix, you had mentioned last week the idea of are we going to see Papa Fitz at one point? Maybe there, you know, there in, in what will doubtless be a madcap episode next week. Perhaps we have some of that introduced uh, as well. So as with all things, Pete, time will tell. Lastly, the superior being kept alive, but to what extent, um, you know, pretty, pretty low <laughs> given the physical damage that he suffered. Um, you know, there's, there's been a lot of, uh, hints as to, uh, what makes him different. He talks about not meddling, but instead perfecting. He has this loathing of inhumans. Um, is this a way to get at what makes him different by taking away the physicality? I would be okay if he's just a guy who has hate in his heart. I don't think the story needs to have a further twist than that. That said, I think it would be interesting uh, interesting if the story explored him waking up just fine, starting to figure out that he's in the framework, and then his quest for purity is such that knowing that he must be in bad shape because the pillar fell on him, he, he wants to reject this reality, uh, you know, whether that's now he's going to fight against Ada, or now he's going to help while in the framework, or now he's going to attempt to to harm himself in the framework whatever it might be it could be an interesting kind of dramatic uh, thought experiment to say what does this guy do when he's faced with annihilation instead of perfection um if he won't accept a compromise in the middle transmissions. let's check the wire matt Pete, first email, one from Bruce, one I meant to read last week, and we were we were so excited that I forgot to. Uh, he he said that he wanted to make a slight correction in in terms of something we said a few weeks ago. Michelle McNamara, that is of course the the late wife of Pat Oswald, um, was not a crime novelist but a true crime writer. Bruce says what she did was try to find sol uh, try to solve cold serial killer cases through modern research methods not available at the time the crimes were committed. Her life's work was trying to solve the Golden State uh, Killer case, which is the book that Patton Oswalt is trying to finish. And Bruce mentions that for anyone interested in hearing what she was up to, she appeared on the Dork Forest podcast four times, um, each appearance being one of the five most popular episodes for that year, episodes 50, 129, 199, and 287. So definitely happy to set the record straight there, Pete, about uh, the late Michelle McNamara. Yes, knew it had to do with uh, crime uh, spaced on the uh, novel aspect as opposed to the true crime. So thank you for uh, 
clarifying for us and keeping us honest. Next, Pete, an email from our pal, Will, that's at Hydra underscore lives. Um, And he says, I have to admit, the last one and a half episodes of S.H.I.E.L.D. with the obvious Matrix infringement had me really disappointed. Not that I consider the Matrix off limits. I'm sure others have and will rip it off. My issue was that this show, with its highly original plot and characters, seemed to be leaning on another property's concept, which had me fearful of the beginning of the end and possible cancellation. By the way, I'm re-watching as I type this, and I just caught that Mac referenced Fitz building the Matrix prison that May is trapped in, like Brain Scan, another great Mac horror movie reference. Further, my point, um, uh, further making my point that I'm about to get to, this episode makes me realize that it's still the same old shield keeping us on our toes. Pop culture, cool story, bro, and other IP references, Labyrinth and Star Trek, whether direct or indirect, serious or funny, Bond villains and sharks with lasers, all serve to enhance the story and move the plot along, not be the plot, namely the big twist at the end. So while I tweeted my disappointment, about this the last two weeks, the show has convinced me otherwise. Honestly, it's uh, likely me lashing out because of the extreme lack of Hydra. We're still growing <laughs> new heads, by the way, uh, this season and taking it out of the show. Keep up the great work, fellas. I'll keep listening and tweeting along. Pete signed your friend, Will. Hashtag Hail Hydra. Well, uh, Hail Hydra, uh, Will, and thank you for a super thoughtful uh, email. Um, I like that Mac is the one that constantly keeps the content that appears on the show honest in that he calls it what its real world uh, analog is. You know, okay, The Matrix or, you know, with those horror movie premises and, and everything like that. You know, the, the Terminator stuff, everything with the robots. So that, that works for me. Um, and I appreciate how they've come, the writers have come to use his character to essentially call shenanigans on their writing. <laughs> I, I want to highlight one area that, that Will just uh, mentioned, the, the notion of, uh, of is this the beginning of the end? Certainly the ratings suggest it's not a, not a great picture. It's not a slam dunk cancellation, but you know, I think that we should be, uh, well, we should be preparing ourselves for, for a variety of scenarios, particularly since March was when a lot of the pickups for ABC happened last year. Um, so time will tell if, you know, if we need to get, uh, you know, hashtag, uh, renew agents of shield or hashtag, uh, you know, Netflix save shield or something like that. It, the time may be growing close, but, um, I, I guess the ultimate will be, do they give the show the heads up so the show can end the way it wants to, if the end is indeed going to come. But Pete, that's a, that's a dark discussion for, for a future time. I can't bear to have it. Well, Pete, we couldn't bear to do this podcast without the people who lend a hand to us on patreon.com slash fantastic geek. Pete, what do you want to say about our patrons? I want to say I love all of our listeners, uh, but we especially love our patrons uh, who help us uh, keep our files on uh, iTunes uh, with our internet service provider who really alleviate a lot of burdens 
with the number of podcasts that uh, we're producing now. So uh, we could not do this without any of you. We especially would have uh, uh, difficulty doing it without our patrons. With that, Pete, let's start to wrap things up here. How can people be in touch with you on Twitter? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 8,857 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I am personally on Twitter's Looking Back Lost, you can be in touch with the podcast in a whole LMD-esque host variety of ways. We are Fantastic Geek. That is fantastic with the PH. You can find us on fantasticgeek at gmail.com, just like Will and Bruce did. You can visit fantasticgeek.com. See us on Twitter and Instagram under Fantastic Geek. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com forward slash Fantastic Geek with the PH, all one word. And it really, you know, beyond the Twitter, Matt, and, you know, he mentioned before not having the Facebook. Let's understand that that Facebook is the dominant social media uh, platform of its day. So if you are not interacting with Fantastic Geek on Facebook, you are missing out. Yeah, Twitter is important, and I will be the first one to sing its praises, but Facebook has its place, and uh, you should be liking us, following us along there. We will be back next week to wrap up the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. LMD pod. Uh, Of course, we're continuing on our Iron Fist uh, podcast as we start to get ready for that series to launch in about a month's time. Also, there was lately some action on our uh, podcast, Discovery, a Star Trek podcast by Fantastic Geek, as that new Star Trek show starts to uh, get underway with production. So exciting times on the SS Fantastic Geek, and uh, always great to have our listeners along with us. With that, Pete, I will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. I do not meddle, I perfect.